hello. Welcome again to Not Your Normal Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nene White, and I have a question for you. Are your students engaging with your current social emotional learning approach, whether or not it's a structured approach? And if so, are your students growing in their ability to adapt social emotional lessons when they need to apply them in the context of new challenges? How often have you needed to correct your students' behaviors, correct the same behaviors over and over? Wouldn't it be wonderful to get past those repetitive cycles of pretty much the same misbehavior patterns followed by you repeatedly correcting those misbehavior patterns? Repeatedly? (laughs) I mean, we've all been there. Because really, I mean, do kids actually not remember what we've told them? Or is something else going on when those same misbehaviors happen over and over again? Are we doomed to that repetitive cycle? So exhausting. The fact that children tend to be highly reactive when their feelings are hurt or another kid takes something of theirs or one kid pushes or bites or hits or kicks another kid or one kid won't play fairly or one kid yells way too loudly in your classroom. Those kinds of behaviors for most kids can be explained to a good degree by the fact that they're amygdalas, that area of the brain that processes anger and fear eight times faster than the brain has time to respond in more balanced ways. It's a, it's a scientifically validated fact. Sensory input, you know, seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, and tasting, reaches the amygdala roughly eight times more quickly than that same sensory input reaches the prefrontal cortex, the front of the brain that supports executive function skills, those lovely, logical, rational, and self-control responses. With this information from brain research, we get an essential piece of understanding about why young children tend to react emotionally rather than respond rationally when challenges like sharing or playing fair or being kind and considerate or making good decisions about safety and physical well-being all appear to be the furthest thing they're capable of achieving in spite of the fact that we teachers consistently remind our students about the better behaviors and the better choices that will serve them and their friendships and their safety in much, much happier ways. Why can't kids remember what we've told them? Why do kids, some kids, I should say, keep repeating the same unhappy and unconstructive behaviors? Well, It turns out they need a different kind of help and guidance from us. If we want to spare kids and ourselves from their overreactive amygdalas, sometimes referred to as amygdala hijacking, then we need to learn a little about relevant brain research and the biology of learning to help us teach smarter rather than harder to help develop kids' natural ability and inclination to make their own best constructive social, emotional, and life skills choices. 
and um, stay with me here because even though I'm going to get all sciency on you for a minute or two, don't be concerned that the actual advice these explanations are leading to will be complicated. Quite the opposite, honestly. But I find that this science is helpful for, for validating what in some ways is almost too easy. At this point, we've all heard about mindfulness practices. And fortunately, there's been quite a lot of research validating the effects of mindfulness practices on behavior and well-being. So I'm going to borrow some of that research to make my first point for you. It turns out that with fMRIs, scientists are actually able to locate and identify physically strengthened neuronal connections in the brain between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala as a result of regular and consistent mindfulness practices. The very practical effect of that stronger connection between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala manifests as an increase of balanced responses during typically challenging times. That is to say, less anger or fear and more logic, more rational behavior, more self-control. That is not to say that individuals who regularly practice mindfulness do not experience or feel strong emotions. It's just that because of their regular practice of mindfulness, their brains are physiologically capable of supporting and enabling them to respond in more balanced ways. Implementing the developmentally appropriate practice of preemptive peer group discussions around familiar challenges has been shown to have quite similar benefits. And I will boldly hypothesize that that's because during preemptive peer group discussions, when children are provided with opportunities to analyze situations objectively, completely objectively, during times that carry no emotional charge, they're becoming more mindful about the details of those challenging situations, which consciously engages and exercises their prefrontal cortex within the context of those typically challenging experiences. So with that kind of regular mental engagement, the prefrontal cortex grows its connection to the amygdala, physically grows its connection to the amygdala, so that those two parts of the brain are much more appropriately coordinated and connected, enabling the prefrontal cortex to consciously overrule the amygdala when there is no real threat, in contrast to those times when the prefrontal cortex is overshadowed by the amygdala's overreactivity. In preemptive peer group discussions, creative options are discovered and discussed. And in preemptive peer, peer group discussions, when creative options are discovered, they spontaneously gain consensus through discussion, not because someone told the kids in the peer group discussion to agree. No. We're talking assimilation of all that family and teachers in the world at large has taught kids, 
with and combining that with the time for them to self-express their own inborn reasoning and intuition and insight and logic and ability to think critically so that with practice they create true ownership of of behaviors that will work better for them rather and them and others rather than just themselves and this is a result of rewiring of the brain one preemptive peer group discussion at a time I like to think of it kind of like a rehearsal for the brain to try on different responses and different outcomes. And it turns out that it's very, very healthy for the social-emotional development of kids to have these kinds of rehearsal experiences on a regular basis, like two or three times a week, but without lectures and without commentary, with facilitation only just during these incredibly valuable times of assimilation when students are invited to find and express their own feelings and their own words for constructive options around familiar challenges. Another scientifically validated element for achieving real-life success with preemptive peer group discussions aligns with some fascinating research by James E. Zoll, who is professor of biology and director of the University Center for Innovation in Teaching and Education at Case Western Reserve University. A little history here. Professor Zoll was experiencing a lot of frustration in his teaching career with students who were not remembering after they took his tests, most of what he worked very hard to teach them. They'd take the test, then they'd forget sound familiar? He is a professor who cares deeply about biology and very much about his students. So he was highly motivated to find a solution to that situation, which was entirely unsatisfactory to him. Don't you wish all teachers cared that much? He wrote a wonderfully readable book about his findings entitled The Art of Changing the Brain. And in that book, he explains the four areas of the brain that must be activated in order for real learning to happen so that actual remembering can happen so that actual use of what's been learned and remembered can happen. It's just completely fascinating how his findings relate 100% to the social emotional development of students. So that's what we'll cover in the next episode. I promise you'll appreciate what Professor Zoll describes and how very clearly it relates to your students' social-emotional learning, which will benefit your entire class um, so that your students win and you win more and more. <laughs>